Welcome to Secure Podcast, where I have curated a safe space for community building, self-exploration, and multidimensional evolution. We go through life learning how not to make the same mistakes again, how to feel better, be better, and oftentimes we look to celebrities and influencers for leadership. All the while, there are people in our own communities that could offer us personal support and relatable connections. I'm here to bring out the gems in our networks and bring you to your safe space. I invite you to hang out and connect. Welcome back to Break in Case of Postpartum, the series. Today, we are joined by Viridiana Luna from Luna Counseling as we discuss the struggles with baby bonding and what that looked like for us. Enjoy. Yeah, totally. Um, so I feel like I had a hard time right after I gave birth. Um, so I had a relatively easy pregnancy. Um, I didn't have any like preeclampsia or any, any of that stuff that I know other uh, women struggle with. Um, and I had heard because uh, we took the classes, you know, um, like the parenting classes and the, the breastfeeding classes, taking care of the baby classes uh, beforehand. And I remember the instructor mentioning that sometimes the bond that you have is an instant. So I knew, you know, going into labor and, and delivering the baby, I knew that might not happen for me. And it didn't happen. Um, ended up, well, I had already planned to get uh, an epidural and um, through that. And, and I had my baby and I didn't feel that rush of like endorphins. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like that bond. I just felt like, oh my gosh, hello, you know? And my baby felt like a stranger. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm wondering if that is part of the delay. Um, and I started right away um, attempting to breastfeed and, and um, you know, going through the whole thing, spending some days on, in the hospital, just trying to get the hang of having a newborn. Um, and, you know, having like the maternal instinct of, I need to take care of you. Are you okay? Like waking up to any little like... Um, little cry like I was on alert um but I didn't feel that bond that like I love you so much that I heard mom say um so I just did my thing I'm like well maybe breastfeeding is gonna help this bond and um lo and behold I have a hard time breastfeeding um and I didn't get much support in the hospital and I feel like the support in the hospital is lacking so yeah. Um, there was a lactation specialist that came to visit me, but when they offer you that service, your milk doesn't come in yet. You're just producing like the little bit, right? Um, Lostrum, I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, I'm trying to remember. Um, and then, so even the, the lactation um, specialist was just kind of like telling me, you know, it's okay if you don't breastfeed, but I was like adamant, like, I'm going to breastfeed. My kid is going to be you know, receive all of that because you read about all of the benefits. So I felt like I was on a mission. I I owed this baby this, right? An effort. Um so after we went home, um it I was just having a hard time. I felt like I wasn't producing enough. Um and I found out my insurance doesn't cover anything. <laughs> so I had to find um, you know, uh through Google I found a, a place I could go. And, and I made an appointment and I paid out of pocket for that service. But that was very helpful. But even then it's like, okay, you get the guidance, but then it's up to you to still keep trying. And, and through all of that, right, it's painful. You don't know if you're producing enough, so you're hoping. It's just, it was a mess. Um, and then I do remember when I was at the hospital, uh, they made me fill out this like mental health thing. Um, and I fine <laughs> like I had um, at the hospital I had my husband I had my mom and came to support me so I felt like those things didn't really apply to me like the whole like like I don't remember what they were asking but I just felt like no I'm not depressed like I don't have any of this stuff right yeah but later like nobody asked me how I was feeling like and then I was told that oh it's going to be six weeks until you 
for a follow-up, a checkup. And those six weeks, I swear, I could have, they could have said six months. Like it felt like forever the days dragged. I felt like, am I like it constantly like questioning what I was doing, right? Like, or, and then my husband, same boat. My mom was there luckily, right? But she had to go home eventually. And when she left, I was like, freaking out like oh my gosh my mom's not here she's like the pro <laughs> helping us um during the day but my doing this where I was like super afraid of the baby like everything just felt like a lot and I'm like is this normal is it not so I was kind of straddling that fence of is this typical for a new mom or is this like a little bit too much um and I, I kind of kept that in the back of my in my mind so I went what I do right for a living, I'm a therapist. So I, I know a little bit about depression and anxiety. Um, but I wasn't, I'm not a specialist in postpartum. Um, so I wasn't like super um, familiar about how that really looks like or how that plays out and the presentation that it can, it can carry. Um, and I think when I was like, oh gosh, this sounds like it's getting to that point was um, in the weeks that followed I know when my mom was there, I would have moments where I just wanted to cry, but apparently that was normal because of all the hormones that, mm. you know, you're just, your body's going through its own healing. Um, but then even after that, I just had a lot of urges to cry. And then I started getting like these really negative intrusive thoughts of how I was inadequate, how I made a mistake having this baby. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I, oh, but you shouldn't apologize for emotions, but just know that I might emote um, during this conversation. Um, it just really played on that, right? Like, the, not only did I feel like I was constantly failing, then these thoughts were just like feeding into that, that I was just not cut out for this. And then too, I'm an older mom, um, older mom, <laughs> had my child, uh, gosh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, at 37? And, um, and then that too, right. Maybe I'm too old for this. Maybe like I got used to being independent and now it's like, this is not, doesn't fit into who I am as a person. It, um, so I would get these intrusive thoughts and what I would do, I would just, um, kind of, I wouldn't tell anybody about it. I would just go to my room. I did, I handed the baby off to my, my husband and I would just go and like cry but I, one day it got pretty dark and it reminded me too of um, being in this dark space. Um, back in undergrad, I went through my own depression spell. And so I knew what that felt like. I knew how, what the whole felt like. And um, I remember this thought crossed in my head, like your baby needs another mom. Like you shouldn't be here. And we, um, at the time we lived in downtown LA, and we were pretty high up. We were on one of those like um, high rise apartments and we were on the ninth story and I thought I could just jump. Um, and that scared me because I'm like, whoa, like, do I really want to do this? You know, like where's this coming from? So I never really had like the intent, but it was scary to know that these thoughts were coming up and they um, were to the point of like ending my life. Um, so, um, at the same time, I had a girlfriend, she had her baby, I think a week or two after I did, and she was going through her own struggle, um, with postpartum, but her presentation was more anxiety driven than the depression and those, some overlap there. Um, but just that struggle of also not feeling bonded to your baby. And I think that is the hardest thing through with the intrusive thoughts, the thought of like ending my life. Like I think the hardest part was just holding my baby and not feeling that love and the guilt. Like I'm like, you deserve to be loved. Like you're so special. And why isn't this coming to me? That was like, that was super duper hard. Um, and then feeling like, I don't know how to make this happen. I'm doing all the things that they say, right? Like having a skin to skin contact, um, breast, trying to breastfeed my child, 
um, rocking them, holding them, um, trying to tune to his needs. Why am I not feeling that? And um, I, I just had to keep going. I just had to like hope that eventually it would come out at some point. Um, and then that girlfriend that had her baby um, uh, like around the same time, she actually, her hospital, because she had her um, baby in a different county than I did. I had mine in um, LA County, downtown LA. Um, I wasn't really given much resources, um, but she did. She had a list of different things. And one of them was like a maternal support group um, that they were having over Zoom. So I had my baby at the end of 2021. So still COVID, not so bad as like 2020 where I know some women had their babies um, by them, like with no support in the room with them. Yeah, I know that must have been so hard. So I, um, luckily I was able to have like, not only my spouse, but my my mom. Um, but anyway, it's still COVID time. So there wasn't that many um, in-person services, uh, which for me was perfect because part of my, the presentation of depression was feeling like, right I wasn't good enough I couldn't figure this out and just me thinking about getting in the car with my baby and the baby seat like it just it just felt very overwhelming so I was very grateful that they had the the zoom option so I reached out to that group the group um leader and she uh she sent me the information I joined and oh my gosh it was so great to just be with other women that were struggling and some similar ways, some different, but overall just struggling with motherhood. And that was very validating. It felt less lonely because um, I just was just, I felt so lonely in this process. Even though I had that girlfriend that was also struggling, she wasn't like, oh, let me just go, you know, 10 minutes and I'll go to her house. She was pretty far away. I think like over an hour with traffic. 45 without so not something that I could just get up and go um so just being able to just um share space with other struggling moms was I felt was a really big piece of my healing and I think that I've I've also found that through these um interviews and these recordings that I've been doing I've gotten that from you guys as well so I just want to say thank you mm -hmm. for sharing your story with me because I felt it um and I felt that same disconnect. Like I remember feeling nothing when they put my son on my chest. Mm -hmm. and all I, I felt relieved, but relieved that it was over because I had been in labor for over 24 hours. I think it was like 38 hours or something like that. And oh. I was exhausted. I was pushing and falling asleep. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if they knew that I'm crying from relief, not from happiness, what they would think. Because my my partner was in the room and he was looking at me and he was smiling at me like, hey, yeah, you did it. Like, oh my God. And the doctors and, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad he's out. I'm so glad. And, and I didn't feel that connection. I, and again, I took a birthing class before and, and I knew that that was something that could happen. Um, but it's so different when you're actually feeling it and you feel so out of body, right? So like, is this normal to feel disconnected from, mm -hmm. from this little person that I just made that came out of me that mm -hmm. and it's hard, it's a hard feeling. And, and I, I felt that too. And I, I think that it's hard to also to explain that in the very beginning to people because it almost feels really raw, right? Like that emotion and it hurts to think it, it hurts to feel it. And then you keep yourself from saying it out loud. And then when you finally say it out loud, it's like a whole nother level of facing this is what's happening. Um, so I, I, I I feel you on that one, a hundred percent. I actually, it took me a while. I don't know for you when you felt like you started connecting to your baby, but I think I didn't really start connecting to him 
until probably when he was almost one. Like it took me months and and it was with therapy and it was with talking mm-hmm. uh, to people around me about it and talking to my friends about it. I remember I used to put my, I would call my friend, she lives in Sacramento and I would put it on FaceTime and I would do whatever I was doing and she would do whatever she was doing and we would just be on the phone talking and stuff. And I would hear her with her kids and we would talk and it was, it was kind of like therapy to me because I can hear she has three, she's been through this three times and her experience was very different, but she was always able to ground me and bring me back to, this is just part of your journey. Like you, you don't have to feel that connection right away. And I think the biggest part that would have been nice to, to have someone guide us through, um, like a lactation specialist does, right? Like you go in and they teach you how to use your nipple, how to like place it, how to help them with their mouth. It would have been nice to have someone guide you through, through the connection journey and to remind you that it is, that your baby is a stranger. They, they are a stranger. They just, they were just, they're just coming out. So it's like, you're meeting someone for the first time. I think that if someone we had someone with us throughout that process to help kind of smooth over this expectation to automatically feel love for someone that you just met. Maybe it would help us ease up on ourselves also, because it's definitely sold as this, like mm-hmm. the mother experience is feeling that immediate connection. And when you don't get it, even if you knew it might happen, it's just something that feels so surreal. So, and it almost feels like wrong. Like you did something wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like it might be, this might be a question to have the therapists talk a little bit more on. I'm going to have some therapists that uh that work with postpartum depression and anxiety answer some of these questions from these episodes but one of them would be like are these connected right like the ideations the intrusive thoughts are those connected to this lack of connection or emotional connection to our child like does that cause us trauma also right mm-hmm. as we're in this really raw state because I had those too. And I remember feeling that like, look, I would, I would sit there and look at him and, and think, I don't, I don't think you got the right mom, baby. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm doing, and I would talk to him. I would tell him, I'm sorry. I'm doing everything I can. I don't know what else to do. I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to give you everything that you need. And I would go through these conversations and then just end up bawling and crying, just moving that out of my body, right? Because I would feel it. It was like tension. And it was just this fear that I wasn't the right mom for him or this fear that I shouldn't have had him, that I was, that I was kidding myself that, you know, and, and all of those, I feel like are so difficult to feel that when you're trying to also connect you know and it's it's hard to see past that when you're in that moment it's hard to see past that and I think it's not until after you start feeling connected to your children that you are able to look back and understand and say okay I just needed time we just we just needed time to get to know each other and now that we are getting to know each other, I know that I, I did love you at that time. It was just not the type of love that is commercialized. It was a love that came from just wanting to k- take care of you and wanting to protect you. Right. You know, um, and I think that that's fair to, to, to say as well, right? Like now I can say like, oh, I love you. I would... Uh, you know, all of that, but I didn't feel comfortable saying that when he was little, I felt like I was lying. Yeah. I felt like I was lying and I was faking and, mm-hmm. and I would kind of just feel like I'm a fake because I don't feel that. And that's, that's hard. That's hard yeah. as a, as a new mom, yeah. especially. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really, um, I really resonate with a lot that you said, just the fake feeling, like, and I know, like you said, it's commercialized, and I feel like it's also, um, what is that, perpetuated by yep. other moms, like, what they put out there, right, like, I'm sure you see, um, pictures of ultrasound, like, oh my gosh, baby, I love you so much already, and I'm like, like, I, I can kind of see that, because I was in love with I'm going to be a mom right like I was in love with that thought and that plan for my life and for my spouses like we're going to be parents and we're going to have this child that we made um but the whole like instant love that you what gets um what gets posted online what gets shared without mom when you when you talk to moms at least through my experience I would hear that a lot so it kind of felt like that was the norm or that's what we talk about and it wasn't until after and then I opening up a little bit that's when I feel like I got to see behind the curtains of like the reality like no like this can happen or this happened to me or this happened to someone I know that was interesting to how some of the stuff is I don't know it's like gatekeeping or I don't know like this knowledge right that's kind of taboo that they feel maybe for the reasons that you shared or we shared, it's like you don't really want to talk about it because it feels like it's shameful or it, it hints that something's wrong with us as moms, like we're defective. Like there's something wrong with us that we're not fulfilling this mother role yeah. that we learned. Yeah. It feels ugly, right? We yeah. already don't like to speak about our own downfalls so when we have something that feels ugly and it feels like it's only us like we're not gonna want to talk about it and I feel like mainly I feel like as new moms right because I think that we take on a role or we might take on a role okay I'm pregnant I'm gonna be a mom and we go through the 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 motions of like okay it's the ultrasound it's this it's this doctor's appointment it's the prenatals it's the the prenatal yoga or the prenatal massage and all these things and I think a part of it is wanting to be to experience the mom experience and part of it is not wanting to like what you said like not wanting to be the broken one so we tend to absorb that uh role right we tend to say well this is how moms should feel this is what it should look like, or this is what it should feel like. And if I pretend to be that long enough, maybe I'll feel it. And and I, I, I don't I don't think that we actually recognize or realize what we were doing until we're in postpartum and we realize, oh shoot, this is for real. Like I really don't feel that. And and then we really start worrying, right? Like, am I am I broken? I shouldn't, maybe I should never have babies, you know, and all these mm-hmm. thoughts start coming in. But the other thing too, is right. Um, when you're a new mom and all you have friends that have kids, you know, how much of it is them trying to protect your experience and not loom over your experience with like negativity in hopes that maybe you don't have to go through that. And how much of it is gatekeeping, right? Ah, uh, she'll figure it out. Nah, I don't want to pop her bubble. She'll figure it out. You know, like how <laughs> I'm sure it's a little yeah. bit of both, right? But I think yeah. that the more we have conversations like these and and the more we have conversations like this within the Latina, Latino community, the easier it'll be to talk about it because I feel like we're really starting to open up subjects that were so taboo. And the we can see that in the older generations becoming part of the conversations now. And that's, I feel like, a measure of we are doing something, right? So continuing to create spaces like this where we talk about and and we're we're vulnerable and we cry and and we do that because that shows a different model that someone could follow. And that way, if there is someone who gets pregnant and it's their first time and they're going through to their motions of like the appointments and stuff, they don't feel like they have to pretend that they're connected 
to what's growing in their belly and feel okay with that because it is okay right I think that maybe we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like the ideal mom and the ideal mom is that commercialized image of a mom who's always connected and has this undying love for their children before they're even born and it's like well no not everyone is like that and Mm -hmm. having that option I think is going to be great for people who are coming after us no no and that it's okay right mother mothering motherhood can look so many different ways and neither one of them is the correct way we are okay we're doing an awesome job and I think that's something that um, was really um, instilled in me when I went to the support group um, for moms. It's just kind of reframing that rigid, and I think it's a part of postpartum depression, right? Like that rigid thinking, like good mothers look like this, good mothers do this. It's like, no, like let's expand that definition and let's start really looking at what we are doing, what we are providing for a kid our kid, we might not feel it, but our kid is bonded to us and they're bonded to us for a reason because we are doing a good job at providing and at doing the things, right? Um, so that I feel like was super helpful to, to start um, breaking that rigidity within me. Um, and I think that was part of like the process of healing for me was starting to kind of catch myself when I was starting to be really hard on myself, trying to reframe it and do some of the techniques that we would talk about in group. I was like really looking at my kid or remembering like, oh yes, he did, you know, giggle at this or his face did light up when I picked him up. Like that's something that's not nothing. Um, and yeah, I think for me, I want to say can around. You talk, can you talk a little bit more about that, about that? specifically that you would look at your baby and notice their reactions or their their emotions and that would that would that help you connect or ground to the moment or what would that help you in it helped me ground more to the moment because part of my experience with the is I felt and I think it's also because of the sleep deprivation I'm also like yeah. <laughs> everything right just compounds I just felt very floaty very like not really present just tired and um and I think that and it wasn't very long it was just like moments that I would take when I was like you know instead of just kind of going through the motions of feeding my baby rocking my baby to sleep and whatever I was like okay like really try to be present and just in this experience right just for a little bit and it would be maybe like a minute or two max and that was really cool to do because I felt again like more grounded into the experience of providing for my baby Mind you, it's not like, oh, now I feel connected to them. Like this is, there's no miracle here. There's no shortcut for this. It, it's just like little by little by little. But I felt like that gave me a glimpse of like, like little moments of like feeling some, a little bit more connected to him. Um, so that was helpful. And then, like I said, um, it was just like starting to build on those little moments. I think for me, it was around the summer. So June, July. August so he was six seven or eight months and what really helped me get out of this um was through this process I just learned how important community is for me and being around family um I was able myself and I we we were able to make this decision of moving so we moved out of LA, even though we had lived in Southern California for 17 years, we've been out of the house for a long time. Um, but we decided to move to my hometown and get support from my parents who are retired and just the rest of the community that we have. And that for me was like life-changing because I just felt like I could breathe. <laughs> like I could just have space to just be. Um, and then, so that was a big help helping point right the fact that I acknowledge like okay you know it takes a village and for me family just makes me feel very comfortable I feel like I I need that right in my life and both of my spouse 
my, both myself and I were not originally from Southern California. His family's in um, Fresno, uh, but his um, his parents, his mom still works. Um, they're not retired, so they're not able to give us like as much hands-on support. So we decided to move to my hometown. Um, so that was helpful. And then also letting go of like the breastfeeding. <laughs> and I think my own body gave me the signal like girl like stop um I started having a lot of complications with um like I forgot the name of it but like the infections like the mastitis mm-hmm. with mastitis and um pain and, and I have to get on antibiotics off and on off and on it's just the pain in the butt and I'm like okay this is my sign that I've, I've done enough like I originally had given me, myself six months and I was already on month eight I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? And it's not something that I enjoyed. I did not like it. <laughs> I ended up um, needing to pump. He did. Um, he was okay with latching, but eventually, um, he just he would have a hard time. It was like kind of hit or miss. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna pump, make it easier. But pumping is not easy either. It's, it's a work. lot of work. I know. Um, I told my mom like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, this is so much work. And in my head, I was like because breath is best, because this milk is good, like, this is, you know, like, that whole stuff that you get, um, embedded into your brain that to be a good mom, you provide sustenance from your body, you feed with your body, right, so, yeah, once that (laughs) stressor was removed, I felt like, and I was able to bond more, and I also think him, his personality, right? Just the development of who he is as a person, his personality starting to come out more. I felt like, okay, like you're a little person, you know, and, and getting to know who he was, that helped with the bonding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, I start after I felt like my son and I were connecting, uh, we would talk about it with like my mother-in-law about babies and all of that stuff. And I, and I would make the comment that I did not enjoy the newborn phase. I did not enjoy the newborn all the way through to like four or five, six months. Like that was really difficult for me. And it was the breastfeeding and um, the crying and then not being able to communicate and then not getting like cues from my baby. Also, my son couldn't hear very well and we didn't know it until a few months in when I started realizing that he wasn't responding and, you know, and that was a whole nother thing, but it was just, I wasn't getting a lot from him. So it was really hard for me because it felt like I was spending all of my time and energy to take care of this little person. And then it was just me. Like it was this lonely feeling. Um, And I I remember that that it it was just kind of silence after I said that. And I was like, oh, maybe that's not like a good thing to say. (laughs) But it's fair, right? It's fair because we all have like my friend, I I told her and she's like, girl, please. I love the newborn stage. She's like, I love that part. And, And she's like, I don't like so much the toddler phase. And I was like, I love the toddler phase. I'm loving this phase. Like, yes, it's tiring, but I feel connected finally. And now it's fun. And now it's getting to know each other. Um, but that beginning, the beginning months were so hard, especially when you do feel floaty. And I feel like that is part, I think it is partly because you don't sleep very well um and sometimes you like forget to take care of yourself or there's just not enough time in the day um but that feeling definitely comes and goes throughout the experience um of feeling like you're there but you're not really there and that that was hard to connect through those moments as well so I think that a big piece that you said that I realized I started doing uh was the taking moments to to connect to to see their their faces and and things like that um because you do get caught up in the whole motion of the day right like wake up feed go to sleep wake up feed change change of clothes do you need food do you need food i need food do i need a shower uh why does my head hurt 
I use the bathroom today? My stomach feels weird. Oh, he's up again. Let me go feed him. Did I end up showering? No, I didn't. When was the last time I showered? It's like this whole avalanche of things, right? So that mm -hmm. taking a moment to ground with your baby, it helps so much. And it really, like you said, it doesn't have to be for that long. Because I, when you were saying that, I got chills because I remember that those were the only moments that I actually would remember afterwards like the rest of the day fades I don't remember um but those moments where I actually would look they registered because it wasn't what's next what did we do what didn't we do it was just the right now and in that moment my son stopped being something I was taking care of and my son was my son and hearing you explain the why it makes so much sense because then you have something to build on right it's these little moments that start building you towards a bigger connection of, of, of you as a mom and them as your child. Yeah. So I love that. And I hope that more people try doing that because that is such a simple thing that you can do as much as you can, right? Throughout the day. Um, and I was going to ask you, what were some tools? So I'm glad that you said that um, because when we talked, you said that you feel like you've come out of it completely out of what you were, uh, the fog or the, the, the postpartum depression, right. That you came out of that. And those were some of the tools that helped you connect to your baby. But what were some of the tools that helped you come out and get away from like the triggering thoughts, the, the ideations and intrusive thoughts? I think I would just let them be like the intrusive thoughts. I would just let them pass. Um, I think I try to recognize it. It's hard though, because I know when you're in it, it feels so real. Um, and it feels like it's right. Um, but if I lit like some little part of me felt like, no, 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 like hold on, think about it, you know? Um, but I think I would um excuse myself. I would try to just go some I'm trying to think what I would do. I would go to a room, my room, and then I had a journal. And I don't, I don't know where that journal is. Like, it's something I just needed like an outlet for, for that. Cause I felt like the longer they're in here, I felt like the bigger they felt the thoughts. So I would write it out. I would just write all, all the, all the crap, right. That I was carrying in my, in my mind. So I would let myself write it out, let myself cry it out and breathe through it. Just take some deep breaths and just give myself the, the time and the space to just let that go through me just process it out and then I would come back um and later I was able to um more so not the intrusive thoughts but just like the feelings of like eh, right um, um I would push myself to leave the apartment <laughs> mm -hmm. um and again that was a big thing for me because I just felt like I if something with the baby if the baby got hungry if the baby needed anything I felt like I was just gonna drop the ball because we're not at home like in the safety of my home so but I started pushing myself like no baby we need to get out of this space the baby needs air you need air right so I just started taking little walks around our neighborhood um, around this little plaza we lived near uh, and that was super helpful. And then the challenge was, okay, you know, let's walk to the Starbucks and then you'll get yourself a little treat. So I started doing that. And that was so nice to just have the sun hit me. <laughs> I yeah. felt like it was back in COVID days where we, we were just stuck indoors. Like that's how I felt. And we all know that's not healthy, right? For a, a mental health. So I felt myself kind of having that cabin fever. Like, nope, we need to get outdoors. We need to get some sunshine. And that helped just starting to break these, um, these things, right? Like these um, unhealthy ways of being, of, of like kind of feeding into that fear. Like, okay, you can't leave the house because the world is scary. It's like, no, like you can do it. Let's just leave the house for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and you're close enough. So if something, if you do need something, you can just hurry on home. So that I think started helping me get out of this funk. And I definitely advocated for what I needed with my spouse. He's been very supportive. Um, I felt like through it, 
um, because he was close by and because he was another parent. I felt angry with him at times. I felt like um, the distribution of the tasks were uneven and it makes sense because I was the one providing nourishment for our child. He had to go back to work, I think after a week or two after the baby was born. And, um, and, but he was, he'd also help at night. Um, and I know that he would be at work like so sleep deprived. So, um, I'm like, well, you're doing what you can. I can't say you're not helping, um, or you're not, you know, contributing at night. Um, but I still felt like that resentment of, wow, you get to be you. And I don't like, and I also struggled with that, like my identity, like, I am just now like a provider for this child. That's all, that's just my purpose. Like, what about me? Like, what about what I want? Um, gosh, I would love, and I, I took a break from work too. And I was like, I would love to go back to, to work. I would love to leave the house and I'll have to worry about the baby and just go do my thing. You know, just be myself and then come back. So it was also that struggle of incorporating motherhood into my own identity. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in today. I want to take a few seconds to talk to you all about Luna Counseling. As we are discussing mothers' mental health topics, we're also opening up the space to share resources to help those who might not know where to find help. Luna Counseling is a Chicana-owned therapy practice focused on supporting Latina women who are daughters of immigrants and or first and second generation and are determined to break generational cycles of trauma. Luna Counseling provides mental health counseling with an emphasis on honoring cultura and culturally relevant healing practices. If you're interested in starting the process of self-discovery and healing, please visit www.lunacounseling.com ca.com or check them out on instagram at luna counseling all one word to schedule a free consultation and learn what luna counseling has to offer you also se habla espanol thank you guys again for all of your time thank you for listening and please enjoy the rest of today's episode it's all part of this process of getting us to where we need to be as this mom version now right because mm-hmm. feel like when we go through the birthing process we also birth our version of a mom right so it's like vd the mom was born just like your your son was born jackie mm-hmm. the mom was born and as you're getting to know your baby you're also getting to know your mom self and I think that we have to go through all these processes and releasing and molding and changing because we have to become this new version of ourselves. In a past episode, we ended up talking about how surrender becomes such a huge part of the postpartum experience. And it's like, the more you fight things, the harder it becomes, like the thoughts, right? So because what I would do with the thoughts is that I I do this thing that I have a thought come in and I'll acknowledge it as if it was next to me as a person. And I'll say, okay, you're here. Um, I, I, I hear you, but I don't, that's not something I want to do. So you mm-hmm. can leave now. Thank you for coming through. And then I'll figure out why I felt that. Like what triggered that? Where did that come from? If there is anything. And if there isn't, then I just thank you for coming and I show it the door. Um, and it, I I did that before I had my son when I would remember things in the past that I was embarrassed or ashamed of. And I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. And so I started this practice of like, okay, I remember that I did that and I forgive myself for doing that. And I'm okay with the fact that, that I did that. So thank you. Bye-bye. Love it. And it helped me control how these thoughts move through my person. 
And instead mm -hmm. of inhabiting me, it helped me move them through, acknowledge them and allow that them to be processed and then leave. And so I started practicing that with the intrusive thoughts I would have and um, the, the ideations that I would feel. And I would say, okay, I felt that. I heard that in my head. I don't want to do that. But now I am aware that that is a feeling that is, is in me and it needs to be addressed. Thank you for showing me that. Now I need you to leave. And I would keep saying that until the thought literally left and mm -hmm. I could think about something else because there was days where it was just the, the thought felt like it was pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. And so I, it's like if a person is there and I would say, nope, get out, mm -mm, get out, mm -mm, get out. And I would keep, <laughs> I'm glad no one was listening to me because they probably thought I had some other issues. Like. <laughs> Um, but that helped. It helped a lot because I didn't fight it. And I think that mm -hmm. I helped that I had some experience with therapy and I had some experience with with tools for processing thoughts like that. Um, but it was a huge, a huge deal for me to do that because I was able to move on and move forward. And I don't think I really talked about those with not even my partner, honestly. Um I would just let them go because I felt I felt like I didn't want to feed that fire anymore. And I also didn't want to place that type of of worry on the people around me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I saved those specifically for my therapist and I would talk to my therapist about that. But they changed my identity. You know, they they going back to what we we're talking about, they changed who I perceived myself to be and who was showing up every day. Um, so like different in these thoughts, the different part of you that shows up when you have these thoughts and it's a vulnerability that shows up. It's a fear that shows up. It might be an insecurity that shows up. It might be a, a false belief in ourselves, right? That shows mm -hmm. up. So being able to identify what's behind these thoughts and then give time to that part of you that exists now, that you have a fear, that you have a, a false belief in yourself or you've developed a, your own blockage, right? And being able to work on that is all part of that journey and like chiseling you into the new you, who you are postpartum who you are now as a mom right as a woman as a partner as all of that but like you're adding this new thing the mom version of it right oh, and I don't know the science um uh, completely like to a T but from what I recall it your brain physically goes through a change after you give birth maybe even before um but it's not just oh you know we're imagining these things or like psychologically we're changing like physically we are changing and that says something I feel like that definitely validates the experience um and it also gives us permission like no this is part of becoming a mom is going through this transformative time of figuring out who we are now after this right after yeah. um, birthing like helping someone come into this world like, now what now who, who do we become and um yeah it, it's a it's a while it's like not just like oh during the postpartum phase couple months I think it lasts around two years or so so it's it takes some time um and I know yes I feel like clinic like the clinical postpartum depression I don't think I qualify for that anymore, but I feel like I'm still going through a process of change of like transformation. Um, and I'm letting that happen. I'm not like holding on to, I should, right. The shoulds like should be here by now. It's like, no, I'm exactly where I need to be. And I'm allowing this to unfold, um, to your point of identity. Um, it's kind of, figuring out what 
how does motherhood look like right now, right, for me? And I know it's going to look differently when my child is um, older or in elementary, middle school, high, all the, the different stages that they go, I feel like I'm going to also go through my own stage of, of motherhood. Um, but also, where am I at professionally? Like, I still um, align with that. Like, I still feel like, yes, I want to do this. But maybe now it's going to look different. Um, I'm starting to explore um, different career options, like still the same, like helping field, but something that gives me more uh, flexibility in terms of time off. Because now I feel like I don't want to have, you know, need to work certain hours or need to feel like I have to provide this. Like I, I would love to have summers off. I would love to have the same schedule as, um, my son when he starts school like that's now on the forefront whereas before other things were taking priority so that's shifting for me where I'm like yeah like I'm, I'm, I'm allowing my what my feelings right like that somatic like that pool that pug to, to kind of guide me into where I feel like I need to take what direction to take my life for me, it was a complete shift, right? For you, it was smaller changes within that that were more that prioritized the new your new priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like all of that is fair, and everyone's gonna have different changes, right? Um, I also feel like I understood why there are mothers who just completely stay home afterwards. You know, they leave careers behind, and it's it's because of the changes that happen to you, you know, it, and it's like, I changed so much that I don't like the same foods that I used to like, or I don't like the same smells that I used to like. Um, it was, it was pretty night and day. Like I used to love me some shrimp, any shrimp. And it's, it's probably from the whole process of like food aversions during pregnancy. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't have such an easy pregnancy because I couldn't eat anything. And up until like the third trimester, I think I started really eating food and I didn't really enjoy food until like almost the very end. And I think that affected, but I mean, everyone's experience is different. So it's going to be different for everyone. Right. But, and then being able to surrender to that change is so important right being able to surrender and accept what your new priorities are now right okay whatever your priorities were before and now you're saying well I want to be home with my son when he's off during the summer you know and being okay with that that change in ourselves I think is so important um that we don't become rigid with who we used to be and what our lives used to look like because you said something in the beginning you said I was I had I felt like maybe I had gotten used to being independent and that's so true I think because especially when it's your first one mm -hmm. there's so many things that you never had to do before like now I can't just get up and go to the bathroom <laughs> like I can't just get up and and it, it it really it's so many changes that are happening that we have to learn to surrender to ourselves and our process, whatever our process looks like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that I still have, I think I'm still in the postpartum. Um, I want to say I'm leaning more over to the anxiety side now and a little bit less on the depression, but there's still moments where that happens. And I had, I have uh, my son who has a speech delay because he wasn't able to hear and uh, now that he is able to hear now, we're starting to really work on his speech delay. So that has caused a lot of stress that I feel like has kept me a little bit in that, the postpartum depression. But as we're finding mm -hmm. like ways out of that, and um, I can feel the difference from when I felt like it was a really dark place to be in. And I was actually looking at my, the Secure podcast Instagram page. And I hadn't been on it in, I think, over a year. And when I finally got into it and I saw one of my last posts, it was a video of me with my son trying to continue right, what I was doing, what my life was like. And it was this podcast. And I was in the kitchen and I was recording myself talking about how I was going to 
be recording and how I wanted to make it so that I could still do it. And I just started laughing and I said, wow, I had no idea what I was in at that time. I, I was so, so into that, that postpartum and I was fighting so hard to not to, I didn't want to let go of the podcast. I didn't want to let go of my schedule. I didn't want to let go of my job. And I think that as, as soon as I realized that I had to surrender to the molding that was happening, that's when a lot of the, 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 I guess the, the, not side effects, but like the characteristics that I was feeling or the experiences I was having started to go away because I stopped fighting it. I stopped fighting the changes and started letting go of things that needed to be let go of and and all of that. So, and we're only even talking about one part of it, right? We haven't even touched on like your relationships with your partner and how that changes and how your communication and your household, like the whole, the, the big one too, is also discussing the roles with your partner. Like that mm-hmm. is so big too, right? So that's another one. But for what we, we started out with the connecting to our babies and not being able to feel that right away and working our way through that. Um, and I wanted this to really focus on that because I feel like that is a big deal that we need to talk about more with each other. I'm glad it, it kind of leaked over into our identity because I feel like that's also pretty big. It's like connecting to our babies and then connecting to ourselves. Like we talk about when you're a girl, well, some parents do this, right? Or some don't, but we talk about when we're going to go through puberty and the changes that you're going to go through and we try to prepare girls for that, um, at least some kind of education, right? But I feel like nobody talks about the transformation of becoming a mom, that it's not just like you gave birth to a baby, you know, you were pregnant and you gave birth to the baby and that's it. It's like, like you're saying, like it's this huge thing, like so many things change within us, kind of like going through puberty, <laughs> in a way right our bodies change our our minds um our minds shift um our priorities change our day just looks so much different our day-to-day our lives just do like complete turnarounds and I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough um because like right now when you're sharing that I'm like you're right like in this conversation through this conversation I think I just realized like no really like you're not done becoming a mom I think through talking I was like it came out I was like you're right like I we're all still transforming and I think that's really cool it, because I think we're at a point of like like you said like surrendering because the more we fight it the more I try to go oh like why can't I go back to pre-baby it's like I don't even want to go back right I feel like I was stuck in that place early on when because it's such a huge shift because you're sleep deprived because your hormones are relaxed because your body's healing girl I it took me a while to heal (laughs) after the six weeks I have to I had to keep going like every couple of weeks because they needed to fix stuff (laughs) there it was it was painful so not only was I going through that everything right like all of these changes like all of this right off the bat and it's you're gonna feel some type of way you're gonna feel resentful you're gonna feel angry you're gonna feel all of these things and once you settle down and now right being at the point my kids 15 months like it's just surrendering yourself to the to the process and it's, it's really nice like I, I now I, I'm appreciating the changes instead of fighting them I'm going with them going with the flow I want to remind you that your reviews matter. Please take some time to submit yours after this episode. If you enjoyed Secure Podcast, make sure you subscribe. Yeah, I'm okay talking about ideation and dark thoughts. You know, we're trying to break the stigma. And it's, I mean, it's not a, it sucks to go through it, but it's okay. And we're human. And, you know, 
lot and I feel like we need to talk about these things and not have carry this like shame with it yeah so if I can lend a hand with that then And that concludes today's episode. Remember to leave a review to help secure podcasts reach more people and subscribe so you don't miss the next release. I hope together we find community and ourselves every day. But most of all, I wish you happy evolving 